The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I'm Patrick Darty. You got your Pat Corain. You got your Denny Carter. You got your Kyle Dvorak. You got your Week 11 slate. We're going to talk about the whole thing, uh, except for Thursday Night Football, because you're listening to this after Thursday Night Football. There's some big games this week, big fantasy games. Bears at the Falcons is somehow one of the big fantasy games. Uh, Browns at the Bills is the game that they could end up playing in Detroit, Michigan, because it's going to snow 42 feet of lake effect snow and Buffalo and Ontario, so on and so forth. But speaking of snow, I mean, when you think of snow, you think of line play, uh, Kyle Dvorak. We were just talking about before the show how you're, our, you're kind of our line play expert, kind of going against type and being a real big-time line expert. Just what's like the line update around the NFL right now? Uh, they're all pretty big. You know, I'm only watching them from my TV, but even on a 40-some inch television, they all look larger than me. I'd imagine if I ever got to do like sideline reporting, I'd be like, Hey guys, Kyle back here in the trenches talking to a six, seven, three hundred pound guard who eats burritos bigger than me. Um, nuggets. Christian Darasaw left tackle, number one PFF grade concussed. I don't think he's going to play, uh, Eagles building up a lot of bulk on the interior adding uh, most recently in Dom Kinsu. He's very good. So uh, that's that's the segment of me talking about guys who weigh at least twice, sometimes three times as much as I do. Well, well I just want to I just want to jump in and, and give you the stat of the week here, which which is very much related to this, which is when divided by physical mass, Kyle Dvorak knows the most about offensive line in the entire industry. Pound uh, for pound. Pound for pound. No, he knows more than anybody on earth uh, about about line play, and, and we respect him for it. By the way, the Eagles seem to have said, okay, we just got humiliated by the commanders on Monday night, and they're very, I'm going to say it, mid-running backs. Oh, and, no. and so we need to sign every big dude who can just plug up the middle of the line. So you get – Linval Joseph, who is a guy who I know, I know, I know who, who it is, is. and uh, Indomitian Sue. And, and there may be more coming. If you're over 300 pounds, you should call the Eagles and say, hey, I can come in for you. Also, the Eagles just got absolutely compiled on on the ground, like in terms of volume. It wasn't an efficient running game for the right, most part. Right. The thing they should have, their 300 pound guys need to not fumble the football because that was their problem was they fumbled the football a ton. Don't do that. And how about don't hit a quarterback who's clearly kneeling to oh, give them a first set of downs. That was that was the worst call of the entire year. No, he, I, he did a little fake kneel. Then he got up for a split second, then kneels again. I mean, 
What are we no, doing? No, I, I agree it was strategic. Ruin games. We're just I agree it was strategic no on Heineken's part. In my blurb, I called it expertly draws the penalty. He yeah. was playing games out there yes. and playing the system, but you can't fall for that. That's bullshit. This isn't soccer. This isn't soccer. We can't we can't reward <laughs> this this flopping, this <laughs> disgusting flopping by these backup quarterbacks. Get it out of here. Listen, I, I'm I'm with Kyle. Taylor Heineke, he wants to win, okay? And he will do anything to win. Like like truly, including look like a complete buffoon at the end of the game. This is a year all-time mindset. bait. Here in America, we don't flop. <laughs> okay? No, listen, he uh, Heineke has has so much dog in him it, it makes tom brady look like he's playing exhibition games okay he has he has he has excessive dog in him he has only dog in him as part of the problem with this quarterback his tail was between his legs <laughs> wow then he's got your kind of dog in him a very european then he's got the euro Hot dog. Detoulier in him that's what he's got <laughs> don't make fun of my dog <laughs> Uh, speaking of soccer, by the way, be sure to check out the 2022 World Cup on NBC Universal's Telemundo. Although Justin Fields has done the impossible and made the Chicago Bears cool, he still can't make them favorites in Atlanta. Kyle, the Falcons are getting roughly three points at home, but Fields is the man we want to talk about. Running insanely hot, both on the ground and through the air. We know regression is coming, but has his baseline become so high that it doesn't even matter if he regresses? Yeah, I think I, I like the way you put it there, that even if, I mean, right now in the past uh, four games, I believe, actually past five games since week six, he has doubled his rushing expected fantasy points versus his real points. Like he is scoring at twice the rate. Simple expected fantasy points would tell you he is scoring. Now, do I think he is a player who performs at exactly expectation? No, he's a quarterback. Quarterbacks are more efficient running than running backs. And he is an incredibly talented quarterback on the ground. And he's improving through the air too. So I think he should be over his expectation. Should he be double his expectation. That is a lofty goal to set going forward. But if you Mm -hmm. just put him exactly at his expectation, rushing and passing expected points combined since week six, he'd be the QB three. So absolutely. If he falls back to earth, but on the same volume, he'll be a top five fantasy quarterback. Like it's all kind of playing off each other. I mean, one reason his touchdown rate through the air has suddenly spiked is because defenses are just terrified of his legs. And I almost think like his aerial touchdown rate might remain stickier than his ground touchdown rate because you know the ground is not going to keep scoring 65-yard touchdowns every week, I don't think, uh, but he might. But now defenses have to give so much respect to his legs that maybe he really can become a two- to three-week touchdown passer. Uh, does anyone else have any anything to add on Justin Fields? Or well, is the Falcons, case closed? The, the Falcons' defense is atrocious in every way. They they can be had on the ground and through the air. So uh, I, I I once again fear fading Justin Fields in DFS. I will I will say it on air. I know Kyle may disown me after this, but uh, I no, fear is correct. You definitely whether or not you choose to play him, you should feel yeah, terror I, in your heart if he's not in your lineup. He is so. And, you, you like being poor if you don't play him. Let's just, just say it. Just say I, that it. is at least within the realm of possibility that poverty remains in my future. <laughs> and they've been they've been loading him up with design carries too. Sixty five percent of his design carries have come in the past four games, which only account for forty percent of his games. They have completely revolutionized this offense, where it started off looking scarily similar to what it did last year, where they did not yeah. know what to do with him. And they've just completely sort of switched things up. So I at least expect the volume and general production to continue, albeit, I, I agree, 60-yard touchdowns in back-to-back games. is uh, That's what we're well, fading in DFS, is a 60-yard touchdown. 
I want to emphasize the passing stuff, though, because I do think that's a really critical part of this. From weeks one through six, he was 29th in EPA per play. Uh, he was really inaccurate, 35th in completion percentage over expected. Only Baker Mayfield was more inaccurate through the first six weeks than Fields. Over the last four weeks, though, uh, he's been a lot more efficient and a lot more accurate. He's seventh in EPA per play, 12th in CPOE. He was basically like a less accurate version of Mitch Trubisky to start the season. Uh, recently, more like a more accurate version of Lamar Jackson. So, you know, in a great matchup, I I might be so fearful I just play him. Right. EFS. Maybe, maybe, why am I fading him? But it's hard, it's hard to fully fade him. I think. So, p- part of, part of my process is trying to come up with ways that a guy can fail, right? Like a very popular play that, that can fail. I, I, I'm having a lot of trouble using my imagination to find a way Justin Fields can fail against Atlanta. Yeah. Crane, I think it would people- be that they both just go super run heavy and, oh. and they kind of reinforce and the game slows down and there's just not that much scoring. Oh, yeah, if we can just yards. get him back to 99 yards and one touchdown and not add a 60-yard run on top of that, he probably mm-hmm. puts up 25 points and it's still like a slam dunk. You started him in season long and you're happy with it. Right. We're talking about sort of the next level of like, how can he not bury us in DFS? Because he's been yeah. doing that. Crane, you talk about just how he's been more accurate. I mean, we know that he like didn't just overnight get more accurate, but part of it is how bad the passing supporting cast is and your advanced metrics are just going to be bad. A lot of times with the players you're throwing to are bad. They look better now. He looks better now because again, if they're terrified of your legs, you're going to have way more lanes to operate in the passing game. And while Fields himself has gone nuclear, like no one in his supporting cast has really gone nuclear. I mean, Cole Komet is scoring a lot of touchdowns, but have you noticed any interesting trends amongst Justin Fields as pass catchers just beyond Cole Komet actually scoring real live NFL touchdowns. Yeah, I actually think that, you know, and, and this this very much applies to the DFS stuff, is that it's sort of hard to figure out, like, what to do. You know, are you stacking fields? Uh, because the, I think the trend is that it's still pretty difficult to predict who's actually going to to be scoring alongside fields. I, I completely agree with Komet. I mean, that it's all been touchdown-driven. Uh, he did have uh, – he does have 82% route participation this season, which is good. Um but he is not drawing targets at a particularly high rate. Uh, he has a first read target on just 8% of his routes. So that's not good. The offense isn't really designed to go through him. Some of the stuff that he's been doing has been, you know, on these big plays or just kind of being used in the red zone. Uh, so it feels like it could dry up for Komet pretty quickly. Chase Claypool is being involved on a very small subset of routes, but it seems like they have a package for him when he comes in. So he gets targeted at a really high rate per route. But uh, completely unplayable, ran a route on just 27% of dropbacks against the Lions. That's so he's just kind of more of a, yeah, it, he's a thorn in the side of everybody else. Uh, Mooney has an elite 94% route rate this season. I think he's certainly like worthy of a flex gamble type, but like I just, I worry about his targets as well because he hasn't been drawing targets all year. So there isn't like, I guess the note is that Fields is kind of someone that you would rather just play on on his own, I think. I do wonder if the Comet touchdowns might end up slightly stickier than we expect because to me it makes sense. It doesn't make sense that he has five touchdowns in three games, but it makes sense where if this is suddenly like a viable passing attack or at least one the defense is like, oh man, like we got to actually respect the Bears' passing game, it does make sense that he's going to be the target in the red zone. I mean, he's six six. Part of the problem for is that they weren't in the red zone very much. They were dysfunctional when they were in the red zone. Maybe it's more functional offense. He's going to actually get more consistent red zone 
targets than we're expecting. Yeah, I mean, one of the touchdowns was 50 yards. One was like 18. One was 10. There was a few inside the five. But yeah, I think you laid it out really, really well, Crane. We're, we we still need more patterns to develop, basically. As a uh, as a Cole, as a Cole Komet uh, hater, uh, for some reason I am. I'm just constantly skeptical of him. Uh, and I know you know five touchdowns on his past 14 targets. It kind of kind of that's the reason why, obviously. That's but sticky. that's sticky. I yeah. take no pleasure in saying that the Falcons are really generous to tight ends. They've given up the third most <laughs> no. third most receptions to tight ends. Uh, you know if his routes. If, if his routes are decent against Atlanta, there's no reason to think they won't be. I think he might get there again, folks. It's now, do you think that the Falcons are allowing points to tight ends as part of Arthur Smith's ongoing troll to Kyle Pitts' fantasy managers? <laughs> I, it's, uh, it, it is in the range of outcomes, many are saying. Really, really is. I mean, that guy, that guy's a FedEx heir. Like he, he doesn't need this money from coaching's team. So he can afford to just do like real elaborate stuff. Like he gets fired. He goes back to his mansion. They're pretty good bits. I have to say like the bits bits. are pretty good. They're very, 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 very (laughs) elaborate. Speaking of elaborate, Denny, the Falcons backfield. uh, What's going on here? Cordell Patterson hasn't really been that impressive since he came off injured reserve two games ago. Did have a two touchdown game. Can this be the kind of scoring environment that gets Cordero going again? What's going on behind Cordero, so on and so forth? Yeah, I, I mean, there's like there's like a, a chance that Marcus Mariota won't throw a pass this week. Um, the, the, <laughs> the Falcons, you know, are... are we did just my, establish he's a man of bits, Arthur Smith. That's that a good a great bit. bit. That would be a good bit. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're run heavy no matter what. Uh, last week, even a negative game script, they, were, uh, they had a negative 14% pass rate over expected against Carolina. They've been under their expected pass rate every single year uh every single week this year um i think this game will look like something out of i don't know 1975 against chicago uh which is the league's fourth most extreme run funnel defense they allow the 10th highest epa per rush I, i'm i'm very interested i'm actually really interested and in, I'm, I'm struggling with tyler algier in a couple season-long leagues because i, I want to play him over uh, options that would seem superior but i think that if game script can stay uh stable here I think he could see a, a ton of action. Uh, he led in uh, led the backfield in pass routes last week in game ten, uh, in, in week ten against the Panthers. Uh, he saw eight carries to five carries for both Patterson and Caleb Huntley. So I, I think he's the lead back, maybe. And and if and even if he's not, even if he splits with Cordarrelle Patterson, uh, if they if they run the ball as much as I think they will against the Bears. I think both guys could get there. Another precious bit from Arthur Smith has been having a former receiver, elite playmaking player like Cordero Patterson, and just using him as a running back when your second receiver is, in fact, Olamide Zacchaeus. And I don't know who their third receiver is. So that's been a real treat from my man. (laughs) Demir Bird and Kaderil Hodge, isn't that the Bird, yeah. (laughs) I had to blurb. I've started Kaderil Hodge in a... uh, 14 team dynasty league this year. Do you need help? He scored, he you scored say, points. He, he helped me get a win, I think. Crane, yeah. we just have to say you're down bad. <laughs> no, I won. I won. This is good. Real quick, we've already been talking about this game too long. Do we have anything on the Falcons pass catchers or maybe Mariota sicko streamer season? I'll I'll note, uh, and I almost feel bad doing this, but uh Kyle Pitts, you know, I think there's seven some targets, optimism. three straight games. He uh he's Run around on he ran around on ninety uh, on eighty nine percent of dropbacks in week ten, which was the second highest drop participation of the season. Fourth straight week he's seen a first read target on twenty plus percent of his routes as well. Uh, he's now tenth among all wide receivers in first read targets per route. 
Only Mark Andrews has a higher rate among tight ends. So the offense, one, is putting him out there more. And two, is looking like it's kind of designed to have him as the top option in the passing game. So, I mean, the Bears, they're not good against the pass or the run. I completely agree that this, this game's going to look crazy run heavy. I think on both sides, the Bears, even during this fields breakout, have been super, super run heavy. And you can run on the Falcons as well as pass. But... <laughs> Maybe there's some efficiency here this week with Pitts. I mean, he's getting a lot of opportunity uh, per route, per drop back. Uh, it would be a pretty good bet if uh, sounds like a lot if there's of only pl- one one drop back and it's an overthrow to, to yeah, Pat. That little laugh, that little laugh you had as you were trying to get through these. Really, I could see the Joker coming out in you. And yeah. I will say, for like Pitts and London, although at this point I don't even care to talk about London, but for Pitts, when you talk about things like rate stats, his target share, his air yard share, it feels like they almost don't matter because of how little this team passes. But he legitimately just leads all tight ends in air yards. Now, Mark Andrews has been banged up and also got his bye. So that's Highest why he's out among to, tight ends in the league. Yeah, exactly. That's why he was able to help Mark Andrews. But even if he was number two, right? The actual attempt, even on a raw volume, like that's how you score fantasy points basis. The air yards have been there. They don't originate from the best source of air yards, per se, that being Marcus Mariota. But there's, I think there's something here with, with this Pitts fella. You know, back in my day, we cared about actual stats and didn't have to use the word per so much. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, guys, anyways, Josh, uh, Josh, excuse me, Josh Allen's elbow has remained intact enough for the Bills to remain eight point home favorites against the Browns. Denny, what do the folks need to know about this game other than it might be played in the Michigan territory? I hear there's a snowstorm coming to Buffalo and the game could be moved to right. Detroit. We could see uh, what they, the meteorologists are calling Thunder Snow, which, of course, was the name of my ACDC tribute band in college. Uh, I had to get that one in there. I'm sorry. Uh, I would pay money. I would pay money to see it. I'll be frank. I would. Uh, I did back in the day. Denny, I they could see Denny pay. just murdering, throttling dirty deeds done dirt cheap at karaoke. <laughs> are you admitting to having to pay to be in the band? I pay. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Uh, it was... Uh, <laughs> Not not the best situation. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, Cleveland is the seventh most extreme run funnel. So I think that there's a chance if they play in Buffalo, if the weather's really bad, could see a somewhat run heavy uh, approach by Buffalo. I, and that, that's that's hard to say because, you know, they're unfailingly pass heavy. Um, but maybe they, they would be forced into that. It would make sense, I think, against a very exploitable Browns rush defense. The Browns are rated by pro football focus as the league's worst run defense. Even the dolphins weren't like that far above their expected pass rate in week 10 against the Browns, Miami running backs last week combined for 26 carries against the Browns. That's a lot for them. Okay. Like for, for most teams, not a lot for them a lot. Uh, This could set up Singletary for a decent day. He has 46% of the team's carries over the past five games. Uh, The next closest running back for Buffalo is uh, James cook with 16% of the team's carry. So I think, I think this would just make Singletary more appealing, but I mean, the, 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 the weather really will play a huge role. If they go to the dome, I think that, that all those bets that I just laid out are off. So there's a lot of uncertainty with this game. I will say there's no chance the game gets delayed until Monday or Tuesday mm-hmm. because the bills are playing on Thanksgiving day. So it's just not an option to make it a short week game. And we'll probably have some clarity. So I, my guess is that the game is going to get moved to Detroit in the indoors because they can't risk screwing up the schedule with a Thanksgiving team, basically. 
Um, at least that's my guess. I think we'll, in the next 24 hours, we're going to know where this game is being played. And it just seems unlikely it's going to be in Buffalo. Like the stressed infrastructure, they don't like to – it won't even be so much about the conditions being unplayable because they'll probably yeah. have the field cleared. Yeah, supposedly about, it's not supposed to be terrible on the day on the yeah. on game day. It's like they don't want to stress the infrastructure, like the emergency yeah, response. That that's what it thing. is. So hmm. any, any other thoughts on this game? Um, well, I got to change my write up, which talks about Nick Chubb uh, just going off <laughs> because it's like snowy out. Well, it, you know, it'll be, still be the same Nick Chubb in the dome. Uh, I hear the Browns like to run the ball. So, it, it, Diamond Peoples Jones, the number one receiver now, by the way. I'm sure he's not, but no. he's he's out producing the Samari well, it Cooper. Depends. Are they playing at home or on the road? He's out playing the Samari Cooper fellow. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying, and all I'm saying now is that the Ravens come off by as ludicrous 13-point favorites against the Baker Mayfield starting Carolina Panthers. Crane, is there a single thing worth highlighting in this game where even the Ravens, the good team, running pretty low on good players right now? Yeah, they're uh, they're running low on good players. The, the whole offense kind of runs through Mark Andrews. So I think you're uh, in pretty rough shape uh, if, if they don't have Andrews. Do we have a good read on – whether or not Andrews is actually going to be able to play. I kind of not- think he's going to play because he's been showing up to practice after the media session and getting called limited. And I do think he's one player that now with the buy behind him, they kind of have no choice but to push him through. To what extent is he effective? I believe it was not the last time we saw him, but the time before that, he was held without a catch on almost the exact same practice regiment, like very light practice throughout the week. I bet on him being active. How much of Mark Andrews is he is, is more up to debate. Yeah, that's okay. So if he's active, I think that's a, obviously a huge um, boost for the offense. I still feel like maybe Isaiah Likely would be in play. He saw a route or saw a target on twenty five percent of his routes in Week Nine. Um, so you know, I think he would still have potential to be involved to some degree. Devin Duvernay ran around on eighty percent of dropbacks in Week Nine, only targeted on five percent of his routes. I've always kind of felt like, you know, he's more of just sort of like clearing stuff out for Mark Andrews. So I think if Andrews is back and they don't have to lean on uh, the wide receivers, they probably won't. I think we'll see a decent amount of two tight end stuff. Uh, and, you know, Andrews will get as much as he can handle. On the Carolina side, I mean, it's tough to really be all that optimistic with Baker Mayfield back. Um, I will say that uh, in the in the half that we got from Baker Mayfield a couple weeks ago, he was looking for DJ Moore a bit more than he was to start the year. And that makes me a little more optimistic that um, that Baker Mayfield was maybe like perhaps the play calls uh, under Matt rule were not emphasizing DJ Moore as much. And because we had the two things happen at once, we had PJ Walker take over and we had uh, a switch in the coach from, you know, to Steve Wilkes, obviously same offense, Ben McAdoo still running the same offense, but CMC and Robbie Anderson got traded too, which is another thing that like quietly That's goes true as well. A lot of small changes could hopefully save DJ Moore from the terrible Baker Mayfield start for DJ Moore's perspective. So a lot of like small changes, I, I'm trying to help infuse some optimism. Cause I don't want to be out on DJ Moore, but whew, the Baker Mayfield days were tough. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, it's interesting because his, so Moore's first read, targets per route dropped off a ton in the game that Baker Mayfield played, uh, which a couple weeks ago, he got in, in the second half and that, you know, I was like, Oh, great. You know, when, when I dug into that, I was expecting to see that that's because of Mayfield, but it was actually more had a really quiet first half. And then in the second half, uh, Mayfield was actually looking for him. Now that's in garbage time, right? He was only in cause they were getting completely blown out. 
but uh, still maybe some slight optimism. But I don't know. I mean, there's nothing else here. I, I wouldn't be playing Terrace Marshall with with Baker Mayfield. Uh, and then, you know, Deontay Foreman, he just he's getting used, man. Like he's he's, I think, clearly ahead of, of Chuba Hubbard. So I think you can trust him as kind of a, you know, touchdown bet as an RB2 play. Do we I mean, I, I asking this for myself as someone who has Deontay Foreman on a lot of teams. Like in horrible game script, which it looks like this this will be bad. Do you think that he he's still out? He's going to still be out there running routes. I mean, is uh, uh, is is Hubbard going to eat into that? I, I feel like with 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 decent game script, Foreman's a, a slam dunk. But I don't know about this one. So he ran around on fifty three percent of dropbacks last week, which is pretty solid. It's not bad. It's, yeah, it's not bad. It's not like uh, it's not a lead or anything, but. Um, yeah, and that was up actually from the previous week. He was only at thirty-four um, percent. So I don't know. I, I'm actually not that worried that he's going to get game scripted out. Two weeks ago, in week or three weeks ago, in week eight, he was fifty-five uh, percent as well. So he's he's had some involvement in the passing game. He's definitely obviously stronger as a, a two-down rusher, but I don't know. I think he would get like a couple targets or so. Uh, whatever the under is on the Panthers team total, uh, I will be taking it this weekend. That's will be my small addendum to Baker Mayfield is egads coming off the two most thrilling games of week 10. The Cowboys and Vikings meet up in Minnesota with the Cowboys operating as narrow road favorites crane. Justin Jefferson was the talk of the town last Sunday, but I would rather talk about what seemed to be, this might be too strong of a word, but kind of a dysfunctional Cowboys passing attack that did have produced CD lamb's best game of the season against the Packers, but it's kind of what is going on with Dak Prescott and this Cowboys passing attack where it's like a little CD lamb and it's like five or six Dalton Schultz catches. And it's kind of like nothing else. There's not really spike in any weeks before CD lamb in week 10. Just what's going on with the Cowboys passing attack. So keep in mind that Prescott was really bad in week one. And then uh, he comes back and he was really strong for his first two weeks back, but he played the lions and the bears. So this is something I noted heading into the game. Like, this is going to be his first real test, like kind of of the whole season because he only played half a game. And, you know, we don't want to hold that too much against somebody who was quite poor in that, in, you know, in, in what he did show in week one. Uh, took a pretty big step back, 23rd in EPA per play against the Packers, 23rd in completion percentage over expected. Um, he's getting a solid defense this week. I think maybe a little bit less uh, imposing than the Packers. The Vikings are they, they're 25th in success rate. The Packers are ninth, but the Vikings, that's the thing they're worst at. The Vikings are pretty solid overall. I do think you feel good about CD lamb. Uh, I think you feel pretty good about Dalton Schultz. He has a solid 73% route rate. I would not be looking to kind of dip into any ancillary pieces here though. And even Schultz is like, I don't feel great about him. I just think Dak Prescott um, does though. Yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll be out there, and uh, I, I expect the Cowboys' offense to be a little bit more impressive than it was last week. But I think the the first two weeks back with Dak were definitely a bit of a bit of a mirage. You know, he's I mean, those are about as easy as the matchups outside of like the Raiders, the Jaguars. Like that's about as easy as it gets. They do the Vikings do allow the third most um, receiver fantasy points, so maybe like CD Lamb can build off his breakout game. But I mean, I was, was Patrick Peterson like good again? Was that kind of one of the narratives coming out of the Bills Vikings game? Well, I mean, Josh Allen threw him 
the ball twice. It's kind of one of his favorite things to do lately. I mean, uh, it, it is, is like weird. like I'm I'm almost positive the four of us could have caught those interceptions. So I don't I don't know. Oh, Patrick Peterson's PFF grades are elite this year. Actually, are they? Yeah, are they? I'm not really sure what's going on there. But yeah, yeah my home scouting is kind of confirmed the same thing that Googling PFF Patrick Peterson says is great to good. Uh, last time oh, yeah. I saw Patrick Peterson, he was holding back uh, Kirk Cousins from getting into a fight with Mike Zimmer. And, uh, <laughs> I think he got a positive grade for that play, too, actually. Yeah, he should. Mike Zimmer missed his chance. He should have decked Kirk Cousins live on national TV when he, he had did, the chance. He did miss a chance, and uh, I think he will regret it for the rest of his He will. Decade. He's haunted by it. Um, speaking well, of some- while we're on the Vikings, real quick, uh, I would highly recommend, I think I, I retweeted it, I highly recommend checking out uh, there's a clip of Paul Allen calling the end of that Bills game. And it's a video of him. Uh, as he, It's one of the best things I've ever watched. Like he's his ability to like be such a homer, be rooting so hard and like just like wearing it completely on his sleeve. And yet like his mannerisms are kind of like a drunken fan. And then <sighs> what is coming out of his mouth is like a perfect analysis of what has happened. He's describing perfectly what is happening on the field. It's like the most unprofessional and professional thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greg Jovis has missed another dang kick. Oh my gosh, I can't even believe it. <laughs> he did on, on the kick, he goes, "Well, that sucked." <laughs> <laughs> Greg Joseph, man, that, Greg Joseph has to be one of my favorites. We're we're still looking for the guy who touted Greg Joseph in August. We are. We'll never find him, though. We'll never find him. Kyle, the Cowboys' backfield is Ezekiel Elliott going to play? If he does play, can we finally declare Tony Pollard the leader of this committee, so on and so forth? I would bet on him playing. He was at practice as of Thursday. We don't know the official status, but it looked like, you know, McCarthy said he had a really good practice on Wednesday. Zeke says he's optimistic that he plays this week, plans on wearing a brace. Uh, what? Why would you ever put your faith in this Cowboys franchise to do the correct thing and play Tony Pollard over him when both are active? Of course I want that to happen. We have four people on the show who can all agree on that. And I think I just saw that the planet got up to 8 billion people. I think even Zeke could be included in the number of those people that want to see Tony Pollard get more touches. But do I have faith? Of course I don't have faith. Pollard is getting about a dozen touches per game with Zeke active. He's really efficient. That's like low-end RB3 numbers maybe. But I, I would almost shy away from playing either. I still think I'll rank Pollard over Zeke. That's nice. I like doing that. I ranked week. Pollard over Zeke this week, which I had not really done during a healthy Zeke week before. I, mm-hmm. I do think that it's even if the touch allocation remains the same, just Zeke and a brace. I mean, I'm going to bet fully on the Pollard production. You know, uh, you know what's funny in a sad sort of way is that the Cowboys RB three Malik Davis. Oh man, come on, man! I know it's way better than Zeke. Oh man, (laughs) like he's like far superior option than than Zeke Elliott. Goodness gracious! Sorry, I don't even know. That just seems obvious on some level. Like I, I bet there's. I mean, Deontay Foreman was was off the street last year, and it's it's been quite good. I bet there's some dude who doesn't have a job. Let's let's scroll over the XFL draft and start yeah, picking out right. players from the Cowboys offense. Better than Zeke. Better than Zeke. Better than Zeke. Uh, not better than Zeke. That was PJ Walker. Uh, they better than put Zeke. In the claim better than Zeke. You know. Uh, before we go too off the rails here, Denny, 
TJ Hawkinson, is he a top three or four tight end now? 19 targets over his first two games in a Vikings uniform. Yeah, really took my uh, took my stat there. Thanks. Uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> I have nothing else. That was all I had. No, it, it, he's an elite PPR option. Yes, I believe so. Uh, he's run the second most pass routes among tight ends since he joined Minnesota in week nine. Uh, he against these Cowboys three weeks ago, actually, he caught uh, four or five targets for 48 yards. Uh, you know, teams do target the tight end pretty frequently against the Cowboys. A lot of underneath stuff. Now, I, I, I mentioned Hawkinson as a as a, an elite PPR option because really, like his his the way that he's being used, unless he scores some touchdowns, obviously. I'm not sure he's going to break off those big plays. Like he, he's getting a lot of PPR scamish type, uh, uh, type looks and, and production. But yeah, I mean, you, you're you're excited if you get to play Hawkinson going forward. The PPR check has cashed in a good yet horrid game, Kyle. The Jets and Patriots are meeting up in New England with a total under 40. They're two good teams according to the records. Two hard to watch teams according to fantasy sports. Kyle, what is the good stuff in Jets at Patriots? Yeah, I was waiting for you to tell me. You put good in. The, I didn't say it was good. That's all. They, they have winning records. I'm told that's good. Well, wins are good. I'll admit, wins are good. And you know who else is good? Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. It looks like Corey Davis is out again. He hasn't practiced so far this week. Pretty strong sign. He doesn't play. Past two games, Garrett Wilson has had a 28% target share, 29% air yard share. Doesn't have an elite eight on. Like he's getting a lot of mid and shallow work, but he's a really strong player after the catch. He's earning a lot of targets. I wouldn't be, you know, we'd be splitting hairs if we, you know, picked on him for his 8-8 odd or whatever it happens to be. Tyler Conklin also showing up as a, as a pass catcher. I know last, I think it was actually technically two weeks ago, they're coming off by, if I remember. Only had one catch, but his routes and his overall snap share remain the same. And they don't have strong wide receiver two options. I will hear like none of this Elijah Moore getting more in the slot. He's been horrific on a yards per route run basis. Even if he's out there, I don't have a lot of faith in his ability to earn targets away from the rest of the players on the field. Other side of the ball. Sounds like, like you're saying conk daddy then, by the way. Oh, yeah. Conk, conk your daddies. Conk them, conk them this weekend. <laughs> not Frank, why are you we're, saying, we're not saying that, right? Yes. No, no. That's an official <clears throat> endorsement from everyone on the podcast, from NBC uh, as a whole. Conk your daddies. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I can't. <laughs> How many more times do I have to say this? <laughs> Don't say it again. No, I say it again. None, ideally. Don't say it again. For, yeah, fe- like for fear of a- HR repercussions, I'll just move to the Patriots' backfield. <laughs> Last time we saw Damian Harris from Andre out touched him 23 to 13 13 still a pretty sizable you know workload most of it coming as carries if we see him again this week which looks almost a certainty i believe i expect him to come back to probably no more than a dozen touches the last time we saw him come back in his first game back i believe he's held to three carries so i would still ramondre season as far as i'm concerned though we probably do lose the ceiling of 25 touches but i think 20 is probably still reasonable because he gets so much work through the air I will say it's a make or break week for Elijah Moore. I'm, I think they have no it's, choice. It's been no break. It's break weeks. They're all no, no. It's, it's it's coming off the bye. It's kind of like we, they've had the reset period. Now they still have a very very acute targets need. I think we will see more Elijah Moore this weekend. But if we don't, I mean, it's a sign like this marriage will be ending after the season because if they're not going to commit to him now, while Corey Davis is out, while it's coming off by. Like uh, it's probably irreparable. I have to say though, it a uh, very weird thing with Elijah Moore. You know, before the bye week, uh, Robert Sala said, "Oh, we're we're moving him to the slot. He's he's our slot guy mm-hmm. now." Uh, which okay, all right, maybe you can not target him him from the slot as well. 
Um, and then, and then, but on Monday or Tuesday, Robert Sala said, uh, "No, nope, he's not our slot guy. He's not. He's not doing the slot thing." And Is that so true? I, That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, he he said that. So I uh, I'm I'm very confused as to sounds as like to, a player he's just itching to get in the lineup. Yeah, as to yeah. how he's going to be used. I just Barrios season then I guess. Well, I, I just I mean Barrios is only playing a part time role as is. So I don't you're not starting Barrios, but I don't think Barrios is going to completely go away. Like I would be pretty shocked if like yeah. this was this all just completely blew over. And we're back to Elijah Moore, not just running routes, but seeing targets. He's actually been out there. Like, he hasn't been in the box score. I was going to say, we, we'd have to go back routes. a long time to get back to the time where he sees targets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, right. It's like a two-step thing. One, is he yeah. going to play? And then two, is he going to see targets? And then he's going against a Patriots defense that's first in EPL out per dropback and first in yeah. success rate per dropback. So, like... I just don't care. I don't care. I'm, yes. I'm like a little nervous about Garrett Wilson in this game. And Garrett Wilson, I feel like is a superstar. So I don't know. I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine playing Elijah Moore. But uh, Braxton Berrios does not just simply go away. Okay. That's not, <laughs> no. not what he does. All right. So he does, that is what he does. He does not go away in a game only. Oh, I was screwed up my own joke. I was about no. to say in a game, only rivers McCown could love my joke actually says, in the game, Rivers McCown doesn't want you to see the Texans host the Commanders as modest three-point dogs. Denny, where is the action in a contest that no one other than Rivers will be watching? Uh, it is uh, on the uh, in the Washington backfield. Uh, you know, the Commanders could run the ball like sixty times here against the Texans. Uh, I think I think the the potential for rush volume against a horrible Texans rush defense, you know, for an offense in Washington that wants to be as run heavy as possible. We saw that uh, on Monday night against the Eagles. That's how they want to operate. Uh, and that's fine. It, it works to an extent. And I think it can obviously work here against Houston. I think it makes both Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson viable, maybe RB twos. I don't know, maybe, maybe high end RB threes with Gibson being a little less touchdown dependent in PPR because he's, he is running more routes, not a lot more, but 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 more than uh, Robinson. Um, Texans have the league's second highest rate of missed tackles and allow the fifth highest EPA per rush. So you can definitely establish it hard against the Texans. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I can't say that either on there. No, that's, um, yikes. We're all being fired. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistime joke. Uh, they're also uh, the, the the Texans though are also terrible against the pass allowing the fifth highest EPA per drop back. So maybe, just maybe, if they are forced to pass a little bit, uh, Terry McLaurin can get there on a, uh, a big play or two. But I, I, I do think McLaurin is a pretty shaky option here because of the likely script. I don't know about that. Just because they're boys, him and Taylor Heineke. I think it's like the reason Carson Wentz is like getting officially benched well, is well, we do like when the quarterback actually throws the ball to our best player. That yeah, no, like I mean, McLaurin could have a 30% target share for sure. I, I just don't know if that's like more than five. Stunning Kyle target. Pitts tribute, some would say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, you're starting, I think, you know, if you have McLaurin, you're not starting someone over him probably uh, unless you're like in an eight-team league. But like 12-team leagues, you, you still feel good about it. I just, I, I really, I think the commanders are going to be super conservative and super run heavier. Is the Curtis Samuel scam over, by the way? That seemed to just be that was kind of like Carson Wentz's version of just yeah. like stuffing money in a suitcase and be like, Yeah, I'll be out. I'm coming out in a minute as he's opening the bathroom window. Yeah, I'll yeah. be right there. So and that that worked because Washington had know. leaned so heavily into that. Sorry. <laughs> That's an incredible metaphor. You you really I don't even know how it works, but it does. 
It feels right. The feels panicked. Right. Oh my god! Oh my god! I gotta go. It does I couldn't right. explain. I couldn't explain to someone else why it's a good metaphor, but I think it is. No, it's actually the perfect way to say it. But yeah, no, I mean Curtis Samuel's not gonna not gonna get there with uh, four targets. So no, he's not gonna get there with four targets. We're not gonna get there if we don't take this break and be right back after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, on the PGA Tour, and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Chiefs and Chargers in our Sunday Night 7 contest. And don't forget, download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. And the best game of the week that also happens to be on the National Broadcasting Corporation, the Chiefs are getting nearly a touchdown at home against the Chargers. Danny, the Chiefs have receiver injury questions of their own, but take us through what the potential, if not likely, mm-hmm. returns of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen might mean for the Chargers passing attack. Well, you know, I mean, uh, they could be less atrocious uh, through, the, through the air. Really, like all of the pass catchers for L.A. are redundant. Like they're all doing the same sort of thing. And so that's why Justin Herbert has this horrible A dot, horrible air yards per attempt. Like you look down the line on, on his peripheral stats and it's just a bunch of check downs and that checks out because he's passing a lot and the yard is simply isn't there. So Mike, Mike Williams, I think is the big difference maker here. Obviously Keenan Allen, you're starting him if he plays, but Mike Williams is the big difference maker here for the whole offense and, and makes Herbert a far uh, better fantasy option than he's been without Williams. Uh, he ha- So Williams hasn't played in three weeks and still leads the team in deep targets by six. Okay. Uh, he has, uh, oh before God. his injury, Mike Williams had 36% of the team's air yards. So uh, he's, he's the entire downfield game. And without him, defenses know what's, what's coming. Okay. And so they squeeze down on uh, those pass catchers, the Deandre Carter's, Josh Palmer's who are going to do one thing and one thing only, and that's run six yards and turn around and hope Herbert hits them. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, Williams makes a huge difference here. Kyle, I'm going to ask you about the chiefs receivers, but you follow the injury report as closely as anyone's staff. I mean, do we think Mike Williams is going to play? It seems like Keenan Allen is going to play. Do we think Mike Williams is going to play? What's your early read on that? I was kind of betting on both of them returning though. Like, Man, this Keenan Allen injury has like the tail end of career feels like the fact that it, I believe it was week one. It was week one. 
And then he re-injured it. I want to say it was ahead of week four Weeks. during practice. Oh, no, yeah, during yeah. practice, he re-injured it. Then he comes back in week seven, cannot play the second half. Then they say he gets more hurt during the bye. What was he doing? Like, sure, it was dirt biking, but yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I got to admit, it's not he, a bad use. Was he doing tricks to stretch his legs out? <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's kicking his leg out on the dirt <laughs> he bike. His leg out his too hamstring. Hard. It was a real bad deal. Real bad deal. My point being, I'm, I'd be a little bit concerned, even if he's active, that like he maybe should be, if not will for sure be, on a, a sort of a pitch count. I think if Mike Williams is out there, you almost have to use him as if he's the Mike Williams we know and love. So, I, you know, even if the injury report sort of reads the other way that Keenan could be more likely to return, I'd, I'd really have a hard time getting Keenan back in there with how horrible this injury has gone for him, unfortunately. Sorry, so I had you break down the Chargers receiver injuries just because the way you filed the injury report. What's going on with the Chiefs receiver injuries? Kind of looking bleak for Juju and Miko Hardman and probably better for MVS, but take us through that situation. Yeah, I don't know how I became the offensive lineman and injury guy. Uh, this is a weird, a weird turn for my career. But uh, I do. You are correct that I do know a pretty <laughs> accurate status of their injury reports. I guess that's how. Uh, as far as MVS goes, I believe it was just an illness, and he returned to practice on Thursday. Players who are practicing through an illness, I, I just almost never, like outside of like 2020 COVID stuff, have seen them not play. So he should be fine. Mecole, uh still dealing with the abdomen issue, hasn't practiced. I doubt he plays. Juju got absolutely crushed last week. Uh, Helen Helma hit from, I believe, Jag safety, Andre Cisco, who also did the same thing to MVS. MVS just was able to return. So I'm guessing we're missing two of them, that being Juju and Mecole. And in that case, like I was a little concerned on our Tuesday show that Kadarius Tony ran fewer routes than I believe. Jarek McKinnon, only one more than Juju, who played well less than a half, mm-hmm. less routes than Justin Watson. But at this point, they literally do not have the players on their roster to not play him near every snap. Maybe he still runs less routes than Justin Watson, but it won't be by that much. And on a per route basis, he is the best receiver they have with everyone healthy. So even if it's, you know, they're sort of being forced to throw him into the wolves where they really want him to play 50% of snaps, I'd, I'd be excited beyond belief to get uh, get Kadarius Tony up to like an 80% route rate. Well, the f- Real quick, I, before Crane go, will the fantasy community ever recover if Justin Watson outproduces Kadarius Tony this week? Sorry, Crane, you go. Yeah, no, I mean, so Watson, I believe it was 73 or 74. Oh, no, you're, ta- you're actually going to talk about Watson? Oh, my God. You have God. to. He, he led his receivers and routes last week. Cut his mic. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I, you're not you're not playing Watson. But oh, boy. the fact that they they went to Watson, right, is not a good sign for Kadarius Tony. Obviously not a good sign for Sky Moore, but I do think <laughs> – He's still, still on the team. He's still on the team, but Skymore still runs some routes. So, like, there's there's some there's there are guys they can put on the field other than Tony. Like, I do think there are enough bodies that can go on the field because they also have been running some decent uh, amount of two tight end sets. You got Noah Gray, Skymore, Justin Watson. I think that we'll see more Tony, but Tony's been his route rates have been low. Yeah. So I don't think eighty percent is in the range. I think you don't think, I think it's in the range is, at all. No. I, know. Oh, I think it okay. is. I mean, I think this is kind of a classic that's being eased in. And he showed off like his full repertoire last weekend. Eighty percent prizing it. But I, I think we're gonna see not this is like a groundbreaking opinion. I think we're not gonna just see like a snap increase, but like a meaningful snap increase. Um, to the point where I, I do have him ranked in the top thirty-six. I agree that we're gonna see a meaningful snap increase, but he ran around on forty-three percent of dropbacks last week 
in a game where Juju Smith-Schuster only ran 33% of the routes. So uh, 40% of the routes, sorry. That was no gray. But still, <laughs> there was plenty of routes to be soaked up last week. They were almost all soaked up by Justin Watson. This is a game where we didn't have Miko Hardman. So it's like, what's really different? You know what I mean? From last week, given that Juju was, was out of the game pretty early. So I think we'll see more Tony. I would be, I don't want to be too negative here. Like I am willing to take the chance on Tony, but I do think go in eyes open. It's a boom bust play where if he, if he gets out there for 70, you know, let's say Kyle's right. And he hits 80. It is, you are golden. I mean, he is he's been so good on a per route basis. You are golden. I think you're probably fine if he's at 65, you know, because think about like him as Antonio Brown last year in the Buccaneers offense. That's kind of the level that Brown was at 65, 70%. He was crushing with Mm -hmm. that level of route participation because he's getting targeted at such a high rate. He was so talented. So I think if you have Tony, he needs about a 20% boost in his route participation, which I do think is, is pretty plausible, but, but I don't think he's a lock to be out there a ton. We have a Twitch comment, by the way, that maybe taking a little too far. It says Justin Watson needs to be arrested. I mean, I, I saw that, and uh, it is extreme. But we, you know, we may what, have to take extreme that? measures. I, I do think we have to pay attention though to how teams treat players, and like, and like, like, okay, we don't like Justin Watson, but the Chiefs, they really like Justin Watson, right? They they talk about they talk about him in glowing terms. They I like him know. so much that they keep acquiring guys to replace him. Didn't he? I mean, I don't know. No, they I don't mean, play those he's guys. The guy they acquired they, to replace. <laughs> yeah, they, they anyway. acquired they acquired Tony. They acquired Sky Moore, and who's been playing over all of them? <clears throat> he's only been on the team two weeks. This isn't running back. It takes time. Okay. Oh, Sky oh, Moore. You cannot. Oh, you yeah. cannot be serious. Just <laughs> 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 got shouted down. Oh no. <laughs> Oh dear! Sorry, Denny. Were you done talking? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Crane, Chiefs uh, backfield breakdown. Uh, well, time before before we move on, I would like to say you guys are always saying if only the analytics could be right about one player. Justin Watson was actually quite touted about six years ago because he was extremely athletic. So He's the a analytics, this guy through yeah. and through. He's this a is the analytics revenge. First can ballot wrote of his Hall of Famer. Can Justin we get Watson. one? We 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 missed on Scotty Miller. <laughs> I once wrote an article about Scotty Miller that had Justin Watson as like a PS where I said, don't forget. And Justin Watson, this guy's pretty athletic. Worth a, this worth is a truly a, we, we won. Maybe and in six years, cost. he'll be on the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. The analytics, they were right. Will they be right in the Chiefs backfield with Isaiah Pacheco? The analytics are telling me that this time it counts, Pat. Yeah, I don't know if it fully counts. I, I guess like – it's maybe it sort of counts this time. Uh, he's definitely ahead of CH by a lot. He had 56% of snaps against the Jaguars. CH was just at 6%, uh, but he offers nothing in the passing game. That's not good if you're on the Chiefs. Yes, this is a good rushing matchup. It's an, a very good rushing matchup against the Chargers defense, but the Chiefs, their lowest passer of the season remains 11%. Passer of expected, 11%. That's super pass heavy. That's what the Bills are averaging. I talked about this last week, but it's crazy that the Chiefs' floor this season in terms of pass rate of expected is what the Bills are averaging. And they have been you know, up closer to 20% on numerous occasions. This is a very, very pass-heavy team. I don't think they're going to be lured here by the Chargers' run defense because the Chargers are also bad against the pass. It's not like it would be irresponsible or kind of like silly for them to go through the air here. They'll, they'll be plenty successful attacking the Chargers with a ton of Patrick Mahomes dropbacks. So I just feel like you're looking at a touchdown-dependent RB2 with Pacheco. 
you know, he should be fairly efficient. Uh, he's 11th in rush yards over expected per attempt. He's 17th in success rate. This isn't really a knock against Pacheco. It's just that this is a team that's, I don't think, going to lean on him in a major way unless they're kind of salting away a game. But but most of the points they're putting up uh, to get ahead are probably coming through Mahomes. Pat Crane, we're going to stick with you, even though you've been talking for quite a lot while. The Giants <laughs> and Lions. Sorry about the sequencing. Not that there's, nothing, not that there's anything wrong with no, that. There's any, I didn't mean that. Is it why? Oh, sorry, guys. You... I meant the sequencing, my sequencing of the show. The Giants and Lions are trying to be the little shootout that could, Pat Corrine. Tell the folks what is happening in East Rutherford. Yeah, so I, I feel like uh, maybe sort of similar to the Falcons and the Bears here in terms of like this is a shootout, sort of a fragile shootout. It's certainly quite possible that it could be, but you have two teams that are going to be leaning on the running game in, I think, a pretty big way. One, one positive uh, thing here for this being a high-scoring game is that the Lions – have been pretty intelligent, I think, in how they're orchestrating a run-heavy offense. Uh, last week was kind of a perfect example of their approach where they had a minus 5% pass rate of expected, but then they had an 8% pass rate of expected on first and 10. So they were like genuinely pass-heavy on first down while putting together a run-heavy game plan overall. So they're trying to hide Goff, but they're trying to also maximize the attempts that they get from him. When you're passing on first down, the defense doesn't know if you're going to run or pass. It's kind of an optimal passing situation. So I continue to be kind of impressed with this this Lions coaching staff. I don't think they're going to completely just like go total Falcons and just like run, run, run. Like I think they'll be trying to to pick their spots to pass. So sets up well for Amon Ross St. Brown. 97% route participation against the Bears. He has a 2.42 yards per route run, which is elite. That's fully supported by target volume. It's a sustainable number, even though it's an awesome number. Uh, the Lions offense is also designed to run through him. First read target on 23% of his routes. That trails only Tyree Kill, DeAndre Hopkins, Demonte Adams, CeeDee Lamb, DK Metcalf, and Mark Andrews. Stude is a true number one option for the Lions. He has not scored a touchdown since week two, which kind of makes us think like, and he's dealt with some injuries. So it's like, oh, is he really like a fancy wide receiver one? Yeah, yes, he is. He is. He's getting everything you're looking for. He's running all the routes now. He's back to full health. I'm pretty excited about him this week. But the rest of the Lions offense, I mean, one, it's kind of spread out. They're literally running a three-way committee at tight end, 33% of uh, route participation for two of their tight ends. They also had James Mitchell mixing in. So you can't do anything with the tight end, even as like a DFS like punt play. I don't think it's viable. And I'm not really – interested in going to their other wide receivers. And then they also have the backfield split up. Williams, Jamal Williams played 40% 40 of the snaps against the Bears. He hasn't seen a target in two straight games. Uh, DeAndre Swift was at just 31% of snaps against the Bears. Both guys saved their days with touchdowns. Uh, I I don't even know. Maybe that's like kind of overstating what Swift did. He like literally had those six points and like nothing else. So if they don't get in the end zone here, you have nothing. Like you really have nothing from both running backs. And I, I can't tell you which one it would be even, I mean, it's probably more Williams, but neither one's playing a majority of snaps. So I don't know. It's just really, really gross outside of Amaral St. Brown. I think on the giant side, uh, they're, they are going to run like they're. I don't think they're going to be worried about like making sure they pass enough on first down and stuff. They're just going to pound the rock. We just saw a career high 35 uh, attempts for Saquon Barkley last week. The Lions are even worse against the run than the Texans. They're 29th in EPL out per rush. They're 30th in EPL out per dropback. So they, you can kind of do whatever you want against them. But I think the Giants will be pretty committed to the run here. 
Uh, obviously, that's awesome for Saquon Barkley. Uh, he it, he leads the league in breakaway yards per game, so he's not obviously just a grinder. Like if you give him a ton of attempts, you're creating the opportunity for him to hit really long runs. I will note um, in the passing game, to the extent that we get passing attempts, we want big plays. It's not going to be a, a spot where you want to be grinding out volume. If you're trying to grind out volume, that would be Wandale Robinson. He had uh, a 4.08 out last week. I do not think that's the way to play this. Uh, if you're playing anyone, it would be Darius Slayton, first retarget on 24% of his routes last week, which is really strong given that Kenny Galladay was back in the lineup. So I think that still indicates that Darius Slayton is the, the number one receiver for this team. That's who they're calling plays uh, with him in mind. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty thin, but – but he would be the guy outside of Barkley that's interesting. You're saying that Kenny Galladay is not the number one. <laughs> I'm saying he is not even close. Okay. It's David Sills, right? Is he still on the team, by the way? He is still on the team. Oh, good. Before we move on to Rams, Saints, uh, during this podcast, the scenario we were talking about earlier has come to fruition. Bills, Browns is being moved to Detroit, Michigan at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, November 20th. Uh, league really could just yeah not afford to wait around with the Bills playing on Thanksgiving, and we know uh, the NFL is not going to screw up our, our, our Turkey Day. So all all the snow dreams are dead. We're going to be on a dome fast track now um, for the Bills and Browns. So approach that game, you know, as, as as a dome game instead of a snow game. We're being robbed, but uh, no, it's good. It's good. There there should be no snow games. No I, weather. I, no, no that's weather. your worst. It is your worst opinion. But that's fine. No, it's Pat. Your opinion that his opinion is bad is a bad opinion. <laughs> no, we need like one game every two or three years just totally ruined by snow. It would be bad if it was like a normal thing. But I think we, we form a committee to put like the Falcons versus the Titans on. That's it. true. It, it should be a case by case basis. That's actually true. Josh Allen shouldn't have to play in the snow. Correct. Uh, and the latest down bad bowl of the century, the Saints are hosting the Rams as three-point home favorites. Kyle, what is cooking in New Orleans, Louisiana? Yeah, I, the Rams have been scheduled to play the down bad bowl every week. It's, I believe it's the presented <laughs> by Blockbuster <laughs> down bad bowl. But, uh, is. They are down the baddest. So uh, I bad. mean, what? who would you possibly consider playing on this team? The running backs split their touches 7-6. Four, if I remember correctly, with Kyron Williams bringing up the rear, mm. but did see three oh. targets, I think all of which were caught. Maybe eventually he gets into a larger role. But how many touches on this offense like, would you need for me to care about you? Maybe if there are a lot of receptions for Kyron Williams. And he could work himself into that role one day, but I haven't seen enough of it yet. The receivers, I mean, maybe you could bet on Van Jefferson seeing a lot of targets in which he'll get a lot of air yards behind them. Like, it's not really a bet I want to be making for the Rams. It's To me, it's Tyler Higby. Higby, as we saw, had a monstrous target share last week in which the game in which Cooper Cup went down and is now on IR. And it was his highest game in terms of route rate, as in percentage of his passing plays that were routes, because he'd been staying in the block a little more than usual since week four, in which he was playing, you know, running 90% routes on his passing down. So if he's going to be doing less of the blocking, more of picking up a lot of low-value targets, as long as you're in a PPR league, by all means, have at it. Have a blast. On the other side, we got Jarvis Landry back last week, which is a little concerning that he he and Jawan Johnson paced the team with seven and six targets, respectively. It's a one-game sample. I wouldn't read too much into it, but it was also, unsurprisingly, a down game for Alvin Kamara and Chris Olave. I'm more going to bet on the talent of those players than that of, you know, 30-some-year-old Jarvis Landry. 
and part-time player. Who's good at his part-time role? Jawan Johnson. But we're, 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 Denny and I was just kind of taking yeah, exception. I'm taking it back. To your thirty-year-old comment. Thirty-year-old. Thirty. We can't all be. We can't all be nineteen years old, Kyle. I mean, come on. <laughs> Look, all right, Sorry. if you guys were still out there getting a 20% target share, I'd be... <laughs> That's a good impressed. point, actually. I'd take myself out of the game. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think you can probably stream Jawan Johnson, but I, for me, it's I'm not buying too much into the one-game sample of Jarvis Landry and Jawan eating into the target shares of clearly, like, superior high-end talents of that of Kamara and Chris Olave. By the way... I want to say real quick, folks, it could be... The week that Andy Dalton actually has time to throw uh, downfield to Chris Olave. Let me tell you why. No one, and, and by far, no one has a lower QB pressure rate than the Rams. They just do not get to the quarterback. So Andy Dalton might finally, I know they're dinged up on the offensive line. I get that. The Saints are. But he might finally have some time to let Olave run loose down the, like down the sideline or whatever. This Rams roster like seriously looks like an expansion level mm-hmm. roster. Mm-hmm. Like no depth, no talent other than like three three elite players and then just nobody else. It's crazy. I, are they going to win another game? Um, I think I think it's up for uh, for question. Also, uh, I think people who were saying, "Oh well, I'll get Cooper Cup back in three in four weeks." You're not getting Cooper Cup back. He's probably not, not getting Cooper Cup back. Probably not. No. By the way, Denny Twitch user Ivan V seven sixty asks. Do the dots look different during snow games, Denny? They don't, and that's what's great about the dots. When you're watching, when you're watching the games the way I do, it doesn't matter. Snow, thunder. Well, but you thunder. just you, you're so anti-snow game. So where's that that hate come from? You don't even I, know I, if it's snowing. Here's what I want, guys. I want points, and you're not getting a lot of points. I see. The dots aren't scoring enough points. No. Yeah, on the dots, um, you can tell when the little dot ball moves through the air versus the ground. And Denny, Denny really likes when it flashes ball. up touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> touchdown on the- I do. I get excited. I jump up and down like a child. This is an orphan <laughs> rush. Uh, I do want to note on Cup, uh, just quickly before we move on, double teamed on 30% of his routes this season, uh, tied with Jamar Chase and Devontae Adams for the highest rate in the league, 2.15 yards per route run, um, and drawing targets at a 27% rate while double teamed. So... That's, I mean, that's pretty good. He's out there. He's getting elite efficiency while drawing elite right. defensive attention. Who's going to replace that? No one. No one else can even get open while he's doing that. Yeah, he's I was going to say that, defensive attention. Just what Allen Robinson needs is more defensive attention. Uh, yeah, you got to imagine like if you know whatever the Cardinals played them earlier in the year, and then they get to play them a second time without Cooper Cup. They're like, we've got how many cornerbacks to cover these guys? They've been dedicating yeah. half the secondary to cover Cooper Cup. Now Truly, they've got like, like a twelve men on the field. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, that that exact same team we were just talking about is also not going to win another game. Crazy, crazy league. Smarting from their humiliating loss to the Commanders, the Eagles arrive in Indianapolis as roughly touchdown favorites. Kyle, while the Eagles remain straightforward, the Colts have become anything but with their coaching changes, their quarterback changes, their backfield changes. But that being said, it does seem they have finally settled on a formula and personnel grouping that they want. Matt Ryan handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor, kind of getting back to keep away. Uh, is, is that a correct assessment of the situation? Yeah, in the, the first game under Saturday, which was the first game with Ryan back for a few weeks, that was absolutely it. They still did the thing where they only let Ryan throw short. He had a 5.9 dot in that game, which lines up with how they were using him towards the end 
of you know his run of starts earlier in the season. The only difference was, as you pointed out, they were an established team with a negative 7% pass rate over expected. And Ryan's two starts before benching, they were actually playing like a, a kind of a unique brand of football that we saw sort of with the Steelers' late career, Ben Roethlisberger, where they weren't running the football. Taylor also was, I think, a bit banged up in those games. Also, the running game has just been terrible. So they were playing in the sort of up-tempo, short completions, pseudo it's almost a pseudo run game that you can establish when you're just peppering paris campbell with targets they actually did just run the football with jonathan taylor last week and it was one of taylor's highest snap shares i know they maybe getting deon jackson back but i wouldn't yeah i mean just we need to be worried about that that is kind of bumming me out um i just i just hope they keep taylor up on that stratosphere because why would you not yeah i don't, maybe I don't it's think just, you should be worried yeah, maybe it's just the hope in me, but I, I do think that like there is a downgrade from Deion Jackson, who didn't practice Wednesday, got in a limited session, which is why we think he'll be back. But I'm going to call him a banged up Deion Jackson. That's a downgrade from Hines, I, I think is kind of a fair thing to say. So at that point, I, I'd still bet on us seeing a close approxim- approximation of Taylor, who got like 94, I think, percent of snaps last week, which is just absurd for a guy who generally gives up some passing down work. If he's at eighty percent of the snaps, which would be yeah. a pretty significant decrease from last week, that's still elite. Like yeah. I think that's 80, where we'll see him. Seventy-five to eighty. I mean, we can work yeah. with that. Ninety. We're talking about like you can't keep him. That's out McCaffrey. That's yeah, that's yeah. McCaffrey. Like peak McCaffrey with the Panthers level. Yeah, same until no McCaffrey spike weeks. Like that's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, until McCaffrey, yeah, became a committee back. Which well, yeah, until then, of course, yes. Uh, which we will be talking about a little later in the show. Crane, Kyle just broke down the Colts' uh, running game. What's going on with the pass catchers? Yeah. I- I tend to think that, you know, Jeff Saturday came in and he was like, you know what you're not doing? Using your best players enough. Because in addition to John Taylor playing like literally every snap, we also saw Pittman run a route on 100% of dropbacks. Uh, he saw a first read target on 33% of his routes. We have a new play caller here as well, right? So Some guy. Yes, yeah, so I believe Frazier. Parks Frazier. Who, Parks which- Frazier. Defector, defector, uh, accurately called. Had a headline that said, "The Colts' new play caller is some guy." Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a local fantasy football manager. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. he has he has Michael Pittman on his team because uh, he's now seen uh, ten plus first read targets in a game. Uh, only nine other receivers have done that. Uh, only uh, a couple receivers have done that more than once. The receivers that have done this are guys like Justin Jefferson, Deontay Johnson, Devontae Adams, wow. DeAndre Hopkins, like Cooper Cup, CeeDee Lamb, like all the guys who, you know, are the number ones. Like this is number one wide receiver stuff mm-hmm. that he's getting. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited about Pittman. I wasn't a Pittman guy heading into the season. Don't have a ton of Pittman. But when you get treated like this, I think it's a pretty clear sign in a new coaching staff's first game. They're trying to get you the ball. Uh Paris Campbell, I think, is also interesting because they, he clearly has a connection with Matt Ryan, targeted on 33% of his routes last week. Uh, I think that connection clearly alive and well with Ryan. Alec Pierce uh, only targeted on 11% of his routes. He ran around on just 63% of dropbacks last week. I would not be optimistic about him. I think we're seeing things kind of consolidate, condense. Uh, he could get cut out a little bit. Um, you left out the – Paris Campbell has tutters or tutties maybe, if you will – and three straight Matt Ryan starts. Uh, so yeah, uh, keep studying, man. He just keeps studying. Keep, keep on. Look, I, I I have to say, as as skeptical and maybe mean spirited as I was about Jeff Saturday <laughs> getting hired uh, for the head co- uh, head coaching job for the Colts, uh, he went ahead and did the right thing, which is you know you bench the guy who probably yep. should not be starting 
games in the NFL and Sam Ellinger, and you put in Matt Ryan, who would have probably won the past two games for you if you would have had him in there. You force feed Jonathan Taylor. You force feed Michael Pittman. It's a good plan, and I think it can work. It, it is insane how many teams have self-sabotage with pointless committees. Yes. It's pointless, pointless, pointless committees um, that maybe make sense on paper, but almost always are more effective when the committee gets whittled down. Denny, what does no Dallas Goddard mean for the Eagles passing attack? He had been top three or four tight end, a lot of targets, a lot of big plays. Yeah. What does this mean? Yeah, I, I mean, he was taking like a ton. Uh, I don't want to say all, but a ton of the underneath stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. 5.1 average depth of target this season. Um, he had uh, a 21% uh, target share. Uh, you know, I, they were gonna. They're gonna miss his his role, and and I'm and I'm I'm desperate to know who's going to fill not not fill the role because no one's gonna do what Goddard has done. Goddard's been very efficient, by the way, among the league leaders. And um, what is it? Uh, stick with me here. Yards after the catch over expected Ooh. per reception. Right. Is that is that real? Is it per reception? reception. <laughs> <laughs> that's an NFL next gen one. I think they use the yeah, tracking yeah. data, so that's that's a good. One. In other words, he was doing a lot with his opportunities, so they're going to miss him. Uh, Tyree Jackson was activated uh, oh. to the fifty-three player roster. Yeah, you guys were you guys asleep at the wheel? No, I'm kidding. I, I blurred converted it. quarterback. That's right. Right, converted quarterback. He uh, week eighteen uh, last year. Uh, I have the stats in the blurb, which I don't have in front of me, but he he <laughs> ran a, a, about eighty percent of the uh, the routes. Uh, saw four targets, twenty-two yards, touchdown. You could do worse. I think if he takes over, if he's the main uh, route running, pass catching tight end in in Goddard's place, I think you could do way worse than Tyree Jackson, uh, at least at least for this week uh, against the Colts. Um, but yeah, I mean it, th- this offense uh, will definitely miss Goddard. I'd say, best- I'd be a little concerned with any of the non Goddard options because Goddard was doing right. so much with what I. Th- I think it's fair to call a little because he was leading all tight ends in yards after, as you pointed out, yards after the catch. He was almost unprecedented how efficient he was at creating yards after securing the ball. Does anyone on this team actually, at least any of the tight ends, have like that level level of athleticism, level of tackle breaking ability that he does? Because that was sort of the key to making his so-so role in terms of having no air yards to back his targets. That was the key to making it uh, a good role was that he was really good. Uh, former DC defender, I believe, Tyree Jackson. I'm not sure if he has that. Well, I would I would note that um, Dallas Goddard was seeing 27% of his targets on screens. So I think that's a lot of the reason why you're seeing so much yards after catch and the low mm-hmm. ADOT, 5.1 ADOT, 8.1 ADOT on non-screen routes, which is kind of more of a typical tight end ADOT. So I think um, his absence could end up helping like Quez Watkins who also gets used on a lot of screens. It could end up helping Devontae Smith, who gets used on screens at a much higher rate than A.J. Brown. So I think some of that volume is like available for non-tight ends because it's just designed screens. It doesn't have to go to a tight end. Why would you not give A.J. Brown screens, I wonder? It uh, is odd. They did, yeah, he, he doesn't have a high percentage at all. Yeah, I, I noticed that A.J. Brown is like not even top 12 in expected uh, wide receiver points. Uh, which which is which is very very curious as to curious. why why that is. I mean, he's way over his expected points because he's very good, but maybe give him the ball more would be nice. Would be I think Devontae Smith's going to get the ball more without Dallas Goddard. It's the easy dot to connect. And his screens maybe maybe come on screens. Yeah, Devontae Smith. I agree. Yeah. 
In the battle of two teams who need a win worse than anything else on planet Earth, the Broncos host the Raiders as narrow home favorites. Denny, tell the folks what they need to know. Yeah, I mean, on the surface, this game is ugly, but when you deep, you know, dig down deep, it's also ugly. So that's you have that going for you. Um, you know, look, the Broncos are the fifth most extreme pass funnel in the league. Uh, I don't really understand that too much because the Broncos pass defense is elite, elite. It's so, um, yeah, right. Uh, and, and I, I tweeted about it earlier this week. Like, like you, you just go down the line of advanced stats and they are at the top of the list at everything really shutting down, uh, opposing passing games. So good luck to Derek Carr this week. I actually think Carr is like, uh, definitely not. Or probably should not even be a streaming option in 12 team leagues this week. Um, I will say that Devontae Adams had nine catches on 13 targets for 101 yards when these teams played in week four. Of course, he got to 101 yards on a 44% target share. So I, I don't know if that, that's in the cards for this week, but uh, he, he they did jam him targets. So maybe they'll try that again. Um, I know this uh, this is going to upset Pat Doherty, but I'm going to have to uh, I have to go with it. The Broncos have been generous to tight ends, folks. Um, and uh, last week we saw uh, Titans tight ends command 26% of the team's targets. It is Foster Moreau's season. He has 23 targets over five games as the starter. I think the- Talk about someone who needs it. This time it counts. Foster Moreau. Yeah, no, and, th- and this time it does count. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> he's a little bit touchdown. Your, your and- voice broke on that. <laughs> it's total confidence. Just because I'm feeling the pressure. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, and look, the, the Raiders, the Raiders pass defense is so bad that I think you can feel somewhat okay about playing the Broncos receivers. Okay. Like, like even Cortland Sutton, who is like barely fantasy viable at this point. I think that you, you need to play him this week. I, I said on my Tuesday stream for the waiver wire uh, stream, I said, look, I know you want to drop Cortland Sutton. I had a lot of questions. So I dropped Sutton. I said, maybe down the line. But you can't do it this week. You can't drop him right when he's about to play Vegas. You can't do it. So, that, especially when Jerry Judy is not going to play. Is is he certainly out? Is he? Well, he hasn't out? practiced today. Okay. It's it's a vibe like- based. He's one hundred percent out. Yeah. <laughs> you know the team wouldn't rule him out uh, as of like Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Don't believe he practiced Thursday. I know he didn't practice Wednesday. Even Kendall mm-hmm. Hinton's a little banged up. The vibes I, are cash poor. Yeah, the, right. The <laughs> vibes. Uh, all right. The vibes say you you got to start Cortland, Cortland Sutton here. So, so, so do that for sure. I mean, you know, with the, with the Raiders, like, okay, they stink, but we know what's going to happen. The ball's going to Josh Jacobs and it's going to Devonte Adams. And that's about it, except for a little bit to Foster Moreau. So in that way, the and Raiders, you left out a very important name. Come on. Say it. Matt Collins. Yeah. Oh, come on. Josh McDaniel's favorite player. Why'd you make me say Matt Collins? I didn't <laughs> want to say Matt Collins. <laughs> you know, the lawyers, we need actually, we needed you to say that actually on camera. <laughs> I didn't want to say that? All right. He said it. Send in the police. Yeah, I was right, trying yeah. not to say it. Right. Uh, he, he said it. He said it. Go, go, <laughs> go, go. <laughs> Someone's knocking at my door. Hold on. I'll be right there. <laughs> uh, are some saying, by the way, that it might be Dolchzen this weekend, guys? Yeah, sure. Why not? Dolchzen. You, you know what? You know what's good with with Dulcich? The vibes are great. The vibes are great. The vibes are off the charts. Second hair, A-Dot. that guy vibes. Or ADOT mm-hmm. too, that also vibes. But I was going to say it's yeah. vibes. Well, the hair vibes are great, but second highest ADOT in the league uh, after Kyle Pitts. So, you know, that's yeah, not everything. But Yee. still, a deep threat at tight end is a pretty valuable role. 
I uh, just kind of want to underline this this Raiders defense, which is pretty gross. If you look at opposing success rate, uh, drop back success rate, they've actually had the eighth easiest schedule. They rank 32nd in EPA allowed per drop back, 31st in success rate. If 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 Wilson can't do anything against this defense, like uh, yeah. just I'm going to start dude, being give the money back, like like like, just, like go. Just like I go to like a monastery, like just you know, you you gotta you gotta reevaluate everything. It has to happen, guys. It has to happen this week for ma- for many reasons. Like he's wearing the plays on his on his arm now, so maybe we can get we can get a fifteen point outing from Russell Wilson. Well, maybe he'll even start calling Broncos audibles instead of Seahawks audibles. That, that would be a start. Uh, All right, he's not going to do it, is he? Nope, no, he's <laughs> cooked. He's cooked. Yeah, he's not. He's right. real, real cooked. The 49ers and Cardinals meet up in Arizona with the Cardinals hopefully getting their quarterback back, Crane, although we do not know that. Both Kyler Murray with his hamstring and Colt McCoy with his knee are questionable. We will get to Arizona in a minute, but I will make you the latest cast member of the Rotoro football show to give their take on the 49ers maybe backfield committee. I'm skeptical, actually, a backfield committee. Tell us about the 49ers backfield, Patrick. Yeah, so the 49ers have been fairly balanced with Jimmy Garoppolo this year. Uh, We've seen them be you know, pretty run heavy in the past. Uh, and they certainly were last week, minus 14% pass rate over expected. Uh, this run heavy, even for kind of the, the 2021 49ers. So that set up uh, Christian McCaffrey to, you know, need to have a lot of the rushing work. And he lost some of that uh, to Elijah Mitchell, but 21% target share last week for Christian McCaffrey ran around on 73% of dropbacks, both elite numbers for a running back, I think what he needs here is for the 49ers to pass a little more. And last week they were going against this Chargers defense. Like I said earlier on the podcast, like you can run all over the Chargers if you want. You can also pass. It's kind of up to you. 49ers chose to go really run heavy, uh, you know, which we would expect them to do from time to time. But this matchup sets up better as uh, one where you want to pass. The The Cardinals are 32nd in success rate uh, per dropback. So allowed uh, per dropback. So, you can really have some success. And I think, you know, that's going to be the type of defense that like a Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, hitting guys over the middle of the field, you know, kind of yards after catch stuff, like it kind of suits the 49ers, you know, this, you can kind of beat these guys consistently. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think they will be dropping back at a decent right here. I think they will be pretty balanced. Like maybe they're slightly run first, kind of like they've been in the weeks leading up to last week. And if they are, then that should really help McCaffrey, who's still dominating the receiving work. Denny, speaking of the receiving work in the 49ers offense, is George Kittle back to blocking? What what's the what's the latest update here? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, George Kittle is committed to being a good teammate and a good all-around <laughs> tight end. Just we a are, good guy, too. I mean, we're we're once again begging George Kittle to be more selfish. Uh, to be like Greg Dulcich, don't try, don't be, no. t- be terrible. Don't block. Be t- be Dulcich has no idea how to block. No. He literally has no idea. <laughs> he, he just, he, I, I, you know, look, I do a film study every Tuesday. I was like, Dulcich, he's, you know, he, he just looks at guys. He doesn't even <laughs> get in the way. I, by the way, I knew Dulcich was going to hit. As soon as Nathaniel Hackett hugs him, there's a video where they draft him. He hugs him. He goes, look at that hair, man. I love that hair. <laughs> like, grow your hair out. Do whatever hair your coach likes. And Kyle Shanahan's, maybe get like a really like, spend some time on, on your hair, get it all yeah. gelled up. Some product block. gel, yes. Yeah, yes. really get after it, you know. And then <laughs> stop blocking. 
<laughs> I mean, it's the way it's the way Pete Carroll was yeah. through the moon when he drafted DK Metcalf. I'm not sure if he saw DK Metcalf in the crowd and just said, we're taking him because he looks like, you know, this incredible bodybuilder yeah. type. But when he got him on the team, he could not have been happier. It was, it was, I don't know if he's married, but it had to be better than his marriage. <laughs> like the day he got married, he's got a top 10 somewhere in the 10, but not at one is when he got married. The day he took his shirt off with DK Metcalf. Is one. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember that. Uh, yeah. about uh, that. All right. But listen, listen you I, daddy? Oh, my God. <laughs> there, we're all canceled. Uh, the uh, look, the Kittle, the, the, this time it counts though. Uh, he's playing the Cardinals. <laughs> Uh, Cardinals have allowed nine more tight end receptions than any other team in the league. <laughs> tight ends are averaging nine targets per game against the Cardinals. It's happening this week, folks. Man, oh man, I well, I need it. I need it. In my dynasty team, Kyle. I mean, Kyler health update. The Cardinals passing attack without Zach Ertz. There's like almost too many variables to count with the Cardinals. Even DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice Thursday. I haven't seen the reason why yet. Marquise Brown might come off injured reserve. Kind of, frankly, hard on a Thursday to even talk about what the Cardinals might look like on Monday. Yeah, yeah, because it's a Monday, we don't get injury report yet. And because they play on the West Coast, we won't get their injury report until, like, Saturday afternoon. That's their Thursday injury report, just how time zones work. (laughs) But Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy were spotted at the open media portion. Doesn't exactly guarantee that either of them will play, but it's a positive sign. And Cliff did say he expects one of them to play. Colt, who I think hurt his knee, but returned to the game pretty quickly and closed out the game last week. I was earlier in the week kind of betting on him being the starter, but the fact that Kyler Murray, I'm assuming is going to get in a limited session this early in the week for their Monday game gives me a little bit of hope that he plays. The only thing that may hold him back is that he said he actually hurt his game in week eight or hurt his game here at his knee in his week eight game against Minnesota, tried to play through it. And ultimately that made it worse and he can't play last week. So if they're trying to get him to heal up, they may hold him out one more time, but uh, either way, like the offense wasn't, dreadful under Colt McCoy. He distributed the ball to the right guy. It was kind guys. of a subtweet of Kyler Murray, if we're being real. I don't mean mean it to be. It's hard for it not to be, frankly, but I don't want it to be. But, uh, you know, it wasn't terrible. He only threw for 238, but he did get in the end zone once, or he at least threw to the end zone once. So I'd still feel pretty confident in at least firing up your DeAndre Hopkins and your Rondale Moores. I'm not entirely sure we see Marquise Brown. He does seem like he might be one more week out. So yeah, we just we can't really give you informed opinions on the Cardinals. Well, right I now. did. I thought I gave you did. You did. Like, the Cardinals though, that's a bit of a subtweet of me. <laughs> they say game time decision. Like it doesn't <laughs> even mean anything. James Conner is a game time decision three weeks in a row. Like it's it's really really hard to read the mm-hmm. injury tea leaves of the Cardinals. Kyle did as good a job as you could possibly do. I will say that Kyle um, at Kyle tweets here. He's a good guy. Joe Burrow and the Bengals pack rain come off by as modest road favorites against the Steelers. I think it's like four points. It's not that modest. Uh, let's put a bow on the show by breaking down this game. Bengals, Steelers, low total. What do we need to know? So the Bengals have been at their best when they're facing weak pass rushes. Uh, that's when they've been willing to lean into the pass, like when they face the Saints and the Cardinal, or not the Cardinals, the Falcons. That's when they really were going super pass rate over expected crazy. Uh, Last week, they had a Panthers uh, pass rush that's pretty good, and they were slightly run heavy. We saw them obviously lean on Joe Mixon in a huge, huge way. And I think that's kind of a similar setup to this week, where TJ Watts, uh, he was back in the lineup last week. He wasn't playing at his elite level last week, but I still think not good news for a Bengals offensive line that is still not holding up all that well when there's an actual pass rush to deal with. 
Could be pretty good for Mixon, though. He was targeted on 29% of his routes against the Panthers. Uh, ranks uh, The Bengals ranked 25th in pass block grades, so I, I think we're going to see more of the same where they're trying to get the ball out quickly to Mixon. One interesting note here is Tyler Boyd saw a season low 63% of his snaps in the slot last uh, in the last game. That didn't really have a huge impact in terms of his ability to earn targets. It does make me like slightly more interested in Hayden Hurst. Maybe I'm trying to play like three-dimensional chess here, but I do think like Boyd out of the middle of the field might be good for Hurst. Uh, he's, he has seen a first read target on 18% of his routes over the last two weeks, over the last two games. That's uh, higher than Boyd, who's at 12%, and not far behind T. Higgins, who's at 20%. So uh, Hurst is like kind of interesting to me here. Route rate of just uh, 64% in the uh, blowout win over the bank over the Panthers, but uh, you know he probably saw fewer routes just because they were up by so much. So if he's out there more like 70, 75%, I think Hurst is kind of quietly more involved here. Uh, the Steelers uh, on their side, Pickett's efficiency I think is a real concern. He's 33rd in EPA per play. He's actually one spot behind Mitch Trubisky. So they're only season. 32 teams, Patrick. Um, well, they some some of these guys have played more than one quarterback, so you know, like Colt McCoy. So there's uh yeah, there's <laughs> but yeah, Mitch Trubisky, one of one of the other guys who's played for the Steelers, is ahead of Kenny Pickett right now. Uh, and in some ways, I I feel like maybe the numbers are kind of overstating how well Pickett has played. Uh, first of all, he he ranks QB thirty five in PFF's grades when kept clean. This matchup is is not really one that sets up well for him if like. If you're hoping Pickett's basically going to be able to scramble around, he's, he's played okay under pressure, so you can kind of scramble around, make some plays. But the Bengals rank fourth in dropback success rate. I think they're going to like make Pickett beat them in structure, which is potentially a really bad thing for Pickett. Uh, then when you also look at kind of the help that he's been getting, ESPN just rolled out this new metric where they use uh, the NFL Next Gen player tracking data to look at who's open. They have an open score. A.J. Brown leads the league in open score. Deontay Johnson is second. So he's had Deontay Johnson wide open on a lot of these a lot of these plays, and still we're getting nothing from Pickett. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just have a hard time seeing Pickett, like, really spike in efficiency in this matchup. I think maybe in future weeks that he actually has some really easy matchups coming up in, later, and maybe he'll kind of redeem himself in those. For now, though, I think you got to be playing Deontay Johnson, I still think, just because – I mean, we have we have a lot of evidence that he's getting open. The offense is still designed to go through him. Uh, he's he's an elite right. He's an elite route runner. I, I mean, he has his fair share of drops of every and everything. But I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah, I know. He's, and he's also going to probably be terrible this week because he's, he's also that. never ever tacked on a yard after the catch. Yeah, he's never been so time. open. Look, all right, guys, this Enron stock it's at an all time low right now. Why would you? <laughs> yeah, you got to buy this thing. <laughs> yeah, stocks go up. You got to buy. Anyway. Uh, George Pickens, by the way, ranks 64th in that uh, open rate metric. It's like uh, fourth to last or something. So he is dogs he's don't need to get open. Profile. Dogs go up and get it. That, it is that is what it is. He he makes good catches, can't get open. Deontay Johnson doesn't make catches, can get open. So just combine <laughs> those two, and you might have a receiver. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, I think interesting to note. Maybe the tight ends are the way to play this game overall because he uh, logged 90 percent, 90 percent route participation last week. Super high for a tight end. Already seeing really strong per route volume this year. Uh, so if he's like at 80% plus, I think that's very bullish for him. Uh, you know, really rough year for tight end. So so that if he would be like locked in as a tight end one for me. 
And then Najee Harris uh, down to 60% snaps last week, banged up in that game. So I think, you know, somewhat injury related, but we're not seeing workhorse usage from him this week. I feel confident about that. So he's, I think, a middling RB2. His efficiency is still terrible. Any final thoughts on this game, on this slate, on this podcast? I, I love the Hayden Hurst talk. I'm just very, I'm very into that, into that uh, right now. I, I think he's a, I think he's like a sneaky, very sneaky play uh, this week. As, I mean, if, unless you have like a, a plugged in starter, a tight end. Uh, unless you have a good tight end, then <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you need a bad tight end, go with Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I agree. Uh, boy, I could really use that in my dynasty league. That's all I'll say. Where I'm playing you, Patrick, by the way. Uh, gotta be honest, it's kind of looking like a dub for me. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I'm I know. trying to tank, I, my friend. I know. I'm, I'm I know. respectfully tanking. I set my I lineup every week and go, hope I lose. Please quiet, keep quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. Yeah, you are quiet quitting the dynasty league as you accumulate picks. Uh, it's the right way to go. The right way to go is to listen to the show. But the right thing to do now is to end it because it's over. Um, so thank you for listening. Check out Patrick Crane's walkthrough article on Friday. Check out the DFS show, right? That's what it is with Pat and Kyle. Am I making that up? That thing? Yep. All right. That's, Check that's that out time. on Fridays. What time? 1 p.m. Eastern? 1 p.m. Eastern. YouTube. The only legitimate time zone, according to Craig Dennis Carter. We what also his... do a Q&A there, so, you know, a little hmm. bit of Denny has his, his funneling article coming out on Friday. Yeah. Correct, folks? Yeah. Funneling fantasy points, folks. On Link Fantasy Points, the rankings will be updated. The podcasts will all be posted, locked and loaded. So for Patrick Crane, for Denny Carter, for Kyle Dvorak, I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.